We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here at The Win in Las Vegas. Now, our guest today is a former McDonald's All-American that went on to be an All-American in North Carolina, played 14 seasons in the league, won the chip with the Mavs in 2011. Also, Gil's teammate with the Wizards. Oh, man, this troublemaker. <laughs> and he's only one of four players to play with both MJ and LeBron in the league. Now you can catch him on NBA TV. Brendan Hayward, what's going on, brother? We appreciate you pulling up. I know you, I, you've, been, you've, been, you've been hitting me on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. Clarifying stories, really, you know, ready to jump <laughs> on. will be telling the stories the right way, be leaving out key details, man. So I'll be trying to help you all out. Sometimes it's deliberate, though. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I, I say the same thing. I'm trying like, wait, who was that? And he'll tell me, like, okay, I get, yeah. I get why names were left out of the stories and stuff. So we got a lot to get into today. But but first, I want to go back to your college years. Uh, we both play with a, a mutual friend, Brian Morrison, who played with you at, at yeah. uh, North Carolina. So you used to tell me this story about you in North Carolina, that you were so economically savvy that you would go to Burger King, you would Stop get the Whopper. It. Stop And then when you got the Whopper, you would go home Stop and put it. the cheese on it at home because you didn't want to have to pay that the extra amount of bread. Right. So I didn't know, is that, was that true? It's partially true. Okay, okay. So the story was that I put the, I was doing that because I was cheap. And okay. I was kind of cheap. But okay. what happened was that day, I was a broke college student. I had $2 in my car. Okay. So, so I had $2, I wanted two Whoppers. It was like, hey, Put the cheese on there, man. It's gonna they're gonna bump it to two fifty. So I had two dollars and I had some loose change in my in my uh in my cupboard thing. And so I was like, all right, man, I'm just gonna go ahead and get this whopper right here and I'm gonna save that cheese for later on. It wasn't deliberate, okay. but you know how stories go. They get okay. their, they get their right. own legs on them, and man. Because I respect it because we were getting those same hustles off at UCLA. Like nah. you know, you would never have enough bread, but you know, Bro, I had two dollars. I had two dollars in the car. That's all Wait, I had. This is college. Yeah, yeah. I ain't get paid like you did. We weren't doing what you got. <laughs> I, 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 I ain't get paid like y'all did in Arizona. Say, y'all buying Whoppers. I had a Whopper in college. Hey, man, brother, the times was hard, man. Tough like James, Tony Romas, they, yeah. yeah. So we, had the, we had the Panda Express. We used to stand by the, the cash register. And we had the like the bread on the car, but we would just swipe people and charge them less than whatever their food was, and just make a we little bread. For, we did that for cash for the rims. On the nah, nah, nah. Statute yeah. of limitations, y'all can't do nothing about it, NCAA. NIL, y'all can't f*** with us now. So obviously you and Gil played together on the Wizards. So what's your favorite Gilbert Arena story that you actually can share on this show? Man, favorite Gil story. <laughs> that you can share. Because I know there's some shit that we we might have to edit. I need to know what's the one that you can actually share. We're talking on court, off court. Whatever, whatever, when you think about Gil, what's the first thing that makes you smile, makes your heart flutter, makes you recollect those, those good times together as teammates? Uh, 
brother, my heart don't be fluttering. Okay. Making make it weird here. Making make it weird here. But I will say that for me, the best Gil moment is the Utah shot. The shot against Utah. And it's not the actual shot. It's the mindset before the shot. Because for all the laughs and jokes and everything else that this guy does, his confidence is was always here. He was always here. So, like, that game, Utah, like, I think they had came back in the fourth quarter mm -hmm. against us. And so, like, everybody else is tight. We're just, we're down two. We're at home. We gave up this lead. What are we going to do? We look over there and Gil's like, <laughs> man, y'all give me the ball one for a flat. <laughs> hey, you know I don't do overtime. You feel me? I'm over there looking at Roger Mason like, yo, we about to lose. This, 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 this dude's crazy. And so, and, so, like, and so he comes out there, loses I don't know what, gets the ball. Eddie Jordan, like usual, was like, you want one full flat? One full flat. <laughs> like that, that, that's the only play he had. <laughs> and so he drew up one full flat. Gil hits the shot. And as soon as he lets it go, he turns around and just throws his arm up. And it's like an iconic movie shot because the shot goes through. Boom, the place goes crazy while he's walking towards the bench. Like, you see, I'm one of the first people to come over there to give him the hug. But in that moment, everybody's tight. And Gil is just laughing. Like, like you know, like... His confidence is here. He's just like, hey, man, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to do what I do. So I don't know how you got that confidence, <laughs> but I always admire that. And that story epitomizes the confidence that you had. Okay, so what's a, a funny off-the-court story that you could share about Gil? But again, you know, we are PG-13, sometimes our show. Off no NC-17. Off-the-court. Well, can I give you one another one on the court? Yes. The shot against Chicago. Uh the shot against Chicago, you know, the game winner. What most people don't realize is that shot wasn't for Gil. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? The shot was not for Gil. So the play was drawn up. Gil was supposed to catch, zipper up, get the ball. Everybody was supposed to look at him. All eyes on me like he's Tupac. <laughs> and then I was supposed to set a pin down over here for Larry Hughes on the weak side. Gil comes up. The whole Bulls team looks at him. I set the pin down, Larry's wide open. Gil takes the shot, hits it, bang, another iconic moment. We all celebrating. In the locker room, I was like, man, how'd you know not to throw the ball to Larry and just take the shot? <laughs> he looks at me and says, Larry was supposed to get the ball? <laughs> he, I said, what do you mean? He said, I, I didn't know. I said, what do you mean you didn't know? He was like, I just watched the play up until where Eddie said, I get the ball. <laughs> And when he said, this is where I get the ball, I was just figuring out where I was going to get my shot. He had no idea. They stole Larry Hughes' thunder. Larry Hughes on the weak side, butt but naked. naked. Like, if you ever go pull up that play on the pin down, Larry Hughes is just out there by himself. And Gil shooting a contested fadeaway over Tyson Chandler and Kirk Heinrich. But once again, that's the confidence. It's a funny moment, but the confidence is like, yo, when I get the ball, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to score this thing. They can't stop me. Hey, you know what's funny? You when you look back, think about all of us now. A lot of us are in media. Right. So imagine the type of minds we had while we played. You got penalized for yours. Yeah, because yeah. I was a smart ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was because I had the mind, but I didn't. Now that I'm older, I know how to articulate myself without being a smart ass. Mm -hmm. So like, I might get frustrated and just be like, "Here go Eddie with this nonsense," mm -hmm. and he'll see me and be mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like. The mind was sharp. I understand, sir. Like, if you go back to that same Chicago series. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Dog, like, we were getting flamed that their zone was giving us such a hard time. Yeah. 
I walked us through step by step what we need to do in the zone the next day in practice. Like, yo, this and is that's what, what got to the bench. This is what this is what we're doing. This is where we need to bow. If we oh, they're they're keeping this guy in the corner. If we overload it, flash this guy here, we'll get whatever we want. Change the series. Yeah, you, what's so funny is no. <laughs> I ain't that, get bitch that series though. <laughs> no, 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 that shouldn't. But that's what what that's what really kind of put a damper with you and Eddie, right? You remember we after we down, went down 0-2, we we arguing with them in practice. We're having this big argument about what we're gonna do, and they and they left. Remember, and who you, was the old co coach? Said, Tom, 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 Tom got so pissed to me. Tom walked out. The, the, the coach just walked out. Tom was so old. And then he probably and then, called me all types of n words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh. <laughs> they went back to the, 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 the thirty-two, nineteen thirty-two. Goddamn. Hey, Tom was old, man. Tom was yeah. old. <laughs> so it was like uh, when you when you actually when the coaching staff left and you actually walked us what we supposed to do, like. He's like, we're gonna do the uh, uh, you two switch. You did I deny, I deny that that pointless pass because that pass was going to um, Luau Dang and Luau Dang was beating Antoine yep. off the dribble all the time and it was kind of putting our our zone in in, uh, in danger. And you showed us how to do that. And I think us being successful in that made you smarter than the coach. <laughs> and I don't think Eddie was with that because <laughs> the next year. The next year, that's when uh, that's when um, he didn't want you to be the starter. I don't remember, but yeah, it, no, I'm it, just it, saying. But that was that was the next year. Going into that next year, that's a hell of a thank you for solving your problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Bring him off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> for who? <laughs> nah, nah, fam. If so I ask Brent, I got you, Gil. What's your favorite memories from Brendan during your time with the? That Warriors? was it. Right. That serious. Just the, no, yeah, we're down 0-2, man. We don't know what's going on, and you know, and. You know, he brings in that North Carolina big man. Say, hey, man, look, it's this simple. And it can, that's what we're going to ask. <laughs> right? And he said, no, it's this simple. Look, they're going to switch this. Just deny that. You deny that pass, they don't know what to do. This is the only play. This play is killing us because we're sitting in a zone and making this pass all the way over here. And then it's just messing up our rotation. If you deny this pass, and then from there, I'm like, we won that game, won the next game, and then we won four. And you're like, Man, like the IQs, the I, the basketball IQs we had on that team was was really amazing. Like as I said, you know, you know Juan is in the front office now. Yep, you, myself, Calvin Booth, Calvin Booth. Shout out Calvin Booth. Yeah, just won a championship. Denver Nuggets. Um, then you have uh, Antonio, Antonio Daniels, Jerry Jeffries. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, all in one team. So and then and then so we all have the same personality. Yeah. Right. We we all we all we all we all didn't take things as seriously as we needed to. So <laughs> that was part of the reason our coaching staff was a little frustrated with us. We didn't take it we didn't take it serious when we were supposed to, but we took it serious when we were supposed to. So do y'all ever look back and regret or you think like if you'd have took it more serious in those moments, you might have had better postseason success, or is it just kinda for sure. or did, would it have went the other way? If we were too serious, we might not have been able to accomplish what we did. I think for me it was when I got traded to Dallas, it was me. Sean Stevenson and Karan Butler. And after like a couple of practices and a couple of games, we were like, yo, dog, like, we have more talent in DC than this team does right now. Like, we, we understood they had Dirk, but we were like, yo, like, we had Gibbs. You know, we had Karan who was an all star. Tuan was an all star. We had some talented guys on the bench that didn't always play, but like Andre Blatch, mm -hmm. I keep, was one of the most talented big men I've ever played with. 6'10 mm -hmm. with the handle, they didn't have a lot of that then in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, the way he played, guys like JaVel McGee, you see how he's 
developed and blossomed. Like he he didn't have the there wasn't a leadership place and structure to help him become the best player that he could be at that time. Um, Nick Young, look what Nick. As soon as he left DC, he became a top tier scorer off the bench. Mm-hmm. So we had so much talent, we just lacked discipline. When I got on a championship level team where discipline was required, it was like, oh, I realized we were just playing to play. Yeah. We wasn't playing the main. Like if I got Gil would tell you, if I got an offensive rebound because because. Gil wasn't passing the ball. So if I got an offensive rebound, guess what? That was my shot. So, yeah, I don't yeah. care where I got it. Yeah. If I got it at the free throw line, I was going to take two, three, three dribbles and shoot a crazy jump hook. I was going to get something off. Okay. Mm-hmm. In Dallas, they was like, nah. Like, I did that one game. Rick Carlisle pulled me to the side the next game. He was like, yo, show me the play. He was like, you see that guy in the corner? I'm just happy to be Dirk. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's $20,000. That's 20,000 points right there. Around here, your job is to rebound and block shots. Don't you ever look off Dirk to take your raggedy ass jump shot again. I mean, raggedy ass jump hook again. Mm-hmm. I was a little offended. My jump hook wasn't raggedy. <laughs> it was, Rick, it wasn't, Rick Holler already told you this? Yo, Rick is the most real coach. Like, Rick don't pull no punches. That's why he's respected. Like, Rick was like, it wasn't in front of everybody. He said, like, yo, when you get this offensive rebound right here, the possession matters. We're trying to win a championship. Possessions matter. You kick that out, we reset the offense. Somebody's going to make a play for you. They had certain spots where myself, Tyson Chandler, Yamahini were supposed to be on the baseline and certain things. We're, you're going to get your points that way. But he was like, hey, don't you ever look off Dirk Nowitzki to take your raggedy ass jump hook. Mm. Never forgot it because he called it raggedy. Didn't, <laughs> didn't like it, but that's, that's what winning is. And we, in D.C., we had the talent. We didn't always have the winning mentality. Is it because we were just young? I mean, we're 20, 20, what, 24, 25. Who's the old? I mean, the oldest was Antoine, but yeah. for the most part, everybody was under 26. I think it was us being young. We didn't really have a defensive component on our coaching staff. Because you remember, people don't realize Tibbs was supposed to coach us. He was supposed to be our assistant coach. Remember they brought in Tibbs? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he came in, and I don't think our coaching staff at the time was receptive to him because they felt like he was the front office's guy. Mm-hmm. So Tibbs came in after two days, like, Mm-mm, this energy's bad, and left. And, and we lost it. But he was supposed to be the guy to help set our defense. If we had somebody requiring that we play defense the right way, the right fundamentals, practicing the right way, like, we just didn't have that. We didn't have that. We didn't have that leadership at the time. Like, Gil was trying to figure out what it was to be a leader, mm-hmm. but then he was still... Funny Gil, laughing <laughs> yeah, yeah, and joking. Yeah. But, like, sometimes you, we, we needed a little bit more because... We just didn't, we were just trying to figure out. So, like, we didn't have it all figured out. It's, it's, it, it, it was, it's, it's weird because that's how I, it's easy to know what Ja's going through. Oh, for sure. Right? Because it was like, if you don't know how to be a leader or a star or you don't know how to, you're just going to be, you're just you. Yeah. And then you're going out to perform and, and then everybody's like, because you do this, you need to lead. No, the fuck I don't. <laughs> Who's oldest on this team? <laughs> it's your job, <laughs> and that was the attitude. It, because no one's, no one's teaching us or talking. I mean, come on, our player development guys back then didn't have any. No, didn't have any strip club guy. Yeah, I mean, you going to strip club? Yeah. Let me come. <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> you know what it is? But that's what it is. It wasn't like they were trained. We didn't have trainers, bro. No, we had a trainer. We had Drew. No, I mean, training as for skill development. We didn't have skill development. It was like, and so like, that's what I was talking about the night and day between Dallas and DC. When I got to Dallas, there were certain rules in place. Young guys, 
First of all, young guys or old guys, if you don't play 15 minutes, you have a certain amount of cardio you got to do after the game. You got to be at the gym at a certain time to get shots up, this, this, that, and the third. Okay. And young guys, if you, you hear every day regardless. And that was just, and it didn't matter if it was 14 minutes and 55 seconds. It's not 15. Go run your sprints after the game. And everybody did it. And so, like, the work of this is what you do, bam, 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 that was never, that structure was never in place in yeah. D.C. That's and wild. so I'm not sure if that was from the front office, coaches, but it was never there. And it was kind of lax. And you need, players, players need to be coached. You might not always like it. I didn't always like what Rick said to me, but I needed it. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. The difference is the hierarchy in Dallas was like, yo, this is what we do to win champions, trying to win a championship. And DC was like, we just play that for yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> One, two, three, get it in. Yeah. So, I, did, they did, I don't think they expect, I don't think when, when MJ and them left and we all came in, do you think they expected us to be successful that early? Nah. Right, it just especially it, because you got to realize, MJ left. Then the following year, we end up trading Stack for Twan. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing it all together, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next thing you know, playoff we're team. a playoff team. And you know what? How that is. Once you make the playoffs, then the expectations are, no. oh man, you gonna go, you gonna go from a playoff team to a to a, a, a Eastern Conference Finals team mm -hmm. to the finals. And man, we made the playoffs, and we kept running up against that guy in Cleveland with the big with the headband, man. Yeah. And uh, we just didn't go no farther than that. <laughs> I looked at that series, man. And when people are like, "How did y'all lose that series?" They outsmarted us. Oh, for sure. It wasn't that they were better than us; they just outsmarted us, and it was over you. Well, when it was everything as a team, like there would be little things like if Eddie took me out, yep, they would throw the ball to Elgaskis because we only had. Like, we only had one guy that could play him, that which was me with the height at the time, because Eton Thomas was a little bit shorter, sure. about 6'9". Bill Gossett could get right to his hook. And then what you really started seeing was Cleveland started running, Cleveland started running to the basket. Look, Mikael Bridges over there. Mikael Bridges, what's up, baby? But, um, like, then they started running to the basket, and it was just the strategy of, of how they attacked us was differently. Even, like, look at that last play, bro. In game one, we're supposed to cut off the baseline. Yeah. If, we cut, when, when, if we cut off the baseline with mm -hmm. when Braun hits the game winning shot on the baseline, if we cut off that baseline, we go up one up. If, we, if you're in the game. I was in the game. You was? But I was, I was on the ball. <laughs> so, like, I was on the ball, and when the ball went in, he went down the baseline. I was looking at I was like, I know Twan will cut that baseline off. God damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, like, we, just, we would just have a series of mental mistakes that you can't have when you're really trying to win. So that's what a lot of the problem was in, in D.C. We had the talent. Dog, dog. I, when people say, name one of the best players you ever played against, I, I'm played with. I'll be like, uh, LeBron, Dirk, Gill. I'm like, yo, like, now don't get it twisted. Before that knee injury, this was one of the best score, coldest scores in the league. He just wasn't received the way he would have been if he was playing the game now. Exactly. He would be like bigger dame in today's game. But I was like, no, nah, that dude's cold. He's cold. So how do you compare the league when you guys were playing versus the league now? What, what shifts have you seen happen in the game? Um, game's more perimeter-based, a lot more pick and roll, a lot more skill. A lot. I agree with you, dog. I don't want to hear not another old player talking about, man, these young guys couldn't have made it in my era. These dudes, <laughs> man, I'm so glad I don't got to guard nobody, hadn't had to guard nobody like yo kids. Like, dog, what you going to like? Like, the game, like, every team now, has fours and five that pop beyond the three-point line. Mm -hmm. 
Nobody had anybody that shot the a five, that shot the three. Nobody, nobody really had that. Now, now everybody has guys that can space the floor. You can put your four man in the strong corner, mm-hmm. run a pick and roll, and either dive your five or pop them back. Like, imagine how much space you would have. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're if he's a pick and roll and it's the early two thousands and me and Kwame are in the game, there's no space. They're not guarding our jump shot, so he's in the lane. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing he was able to do what you could do without cluttering it up for you. But like the game right now is so much more pick and roll based. It's so much more spread out. It's so much more guard friendly. They take way more threes. So that's the biggest thing. They take more threes. The game's spread out, and the talent level. I mean, every team got like. I mean, a six, eight, six, nine. Uh, like, look at the Orlando Magic. They, had, with, they just drafted the kid Black from Arkansas. Uh-huh. He's a six, seven point guard. They, they can put a lineup of six, seven to seven feet out there where no one's shorter than six, seven. Everybody can switch everything. That's talent. That's incredible. That shit is wild. Yeah. Let's just talk a little bit about you. What were you working on? Like, what was the extent when you were working in the offseason? Like, how far out were you shooting versus guys now? Because now everybody's shooting threes. They have all those, all three levels to their game. But it was a different time. Like, it was jump hooks. We was up and unders. Yeah. We wasn't going beyond 10, 12 feet as a big, and that just was what it was. So, you know, versus what you see now, what were you doing back in your day? Offseason, man, the farthest out I went was 15 feet. Yeah, no, you no, know what I mean? No one was letting me shoot past that, and they didn't really <laughs> want me to take that. <laughs> so, like, I was working on 15-foot uh, mm-hmm. jumpers, jump hook, lefty jump hook, drop steps, up and unders. It was all about the paint. Yeah. And you know the the, guy, the league was you had to carry so many more big men because you had Yao Ming, you had Shaq, you had these real bigs in the league. So it was more about playing 15 feet on in. And now the game is so spread out that bigs are working on corner threes, top of the key threes. Um, when we were when we would pick and roll, we were just catching it, drop step dunk, drop step jump hook. These guys are doing euro steps, floaters. Like the the skill level of today's player is incredible. At all phases, point guards to centers. Do you ever think we'll see a shift back to becoming a big dominated league or just because of, of obviously the three being worth more than two and that whole thing? Like you said, the perimeter game, is that shit long gone? No, we just watched, um, we've watched for the last couple of years to be a big dominated league. Who are your last three MVPs? But I don't, yeah. I don't I say they're traditional bigs, though. Like, oh, traditional bigs? Nah, yeah, it's dead yeah. to that, homie. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, I don't think those those, those are new and approved, you know what I mean? Like, like, you don't think there's a kid that's sitting there that's probably just being born or... Like, when we see another Shaq that's type a Shaq of... That's that comes in that says, all right, I'm going to just tear this rim down. And, you know, it's a copycat league. Once there's a guy that they can't stop, they're going to have to guard for it. I think, well, first, Shaq's one of those. There's only a couple of them. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple guys. They, they only come through a couple times in your lifetime yeah. where there's a guy that's bigger, faster, stronger than everybody, and, 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 and just can jump out the gym and do whatever. But even if there was a Shaq-type kid coming up, there's going to be a component of today's game in his in, game. Yeah, 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 because yeah. now what do they do? They yeah. have trainers. Yeah, trainers. So they already they tra- train them. So when they identify, oh, that's the special kid, they start having him do the cone drills and all that. Yeah, he's still going to be able to dunk everything, but he's going to have a jump shot, a floater, a Euro step, mm. because they're going to, if they can identify the next great player at 13 or 12 years old, they're going to start training him. Imagine if Braun was coming out now. Let's say Braun was 12 years old. Think about how long it took him to get that consistent jump. Yeah. They would have been, they would have been repping, repping these moves and stuff like that. Braun was just figuring out stuff on the fly. Yep. Like, I was watching a podcast where Udonis Haslam said he literally just tried that 
jab step across the lane jumper. Oh, he, he just tried it in practice a couple times. Like, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> and, it, 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 it was the playoffs, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it would be totally. Yeah, I'll try that tomorrow. Yeah, try that tomorrow. <laughs> like, it would just the game is different now, and so the skill level I think is here to stay. And bigs can dominate, but it's just going to look different than like you know Lonzo Mourning yeah. and David Robinson and Pat Hume. That's why. So let, let's go back to. Do you think they should curve the stats for that now? Curve? What do you mean? Meaning like, like what they're doing with guards, because it's going to happen to the bigs now too. With guards, you have the Curries now being matched up with pure point guards that don't have the scoring stats. So you got like you know like. Uh, like Stephen finished with what, 20, 25,000, 22,000, right? When you got like John Stockton at 15, something like that. And he has, I mean, he's not even like close to assist, but they have assists too. Right. Do you think because of Biggs and having like Jokic, that's going to have the rebounds and the points, but now he's going to throw in assists that's just going to throw his category in a whole different space against just regular traditional Biggs? Because of the way Jokic plays, he's going to have like his own lane carved out. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how we talk about how Steph changed the game. Jokic was the first play, I think first play in NBA history to lead the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. Because normally if you're big, like, yeah, you can be like Shaq. You might lead it in points and rebounds, but you ain't getting nine, ten assists tonight. Mm -hmm. So he's going to carve out his own lane just because there's nothing he can't do. I call him the professor because he has the answers to all the tests. <laughs> Put him on the block, leave him one-on-one, -on -one, I can get 50 down here. Mm -hmm. You want to double-team him, I can find the guys where they're supposed to be. Pick and roll, I can pop out the three. I got floaters, I got passes. And then he plays so smart. He doesn't waste his time. Like, if there's a small on him, forget all this. Mm -hmm. uh, hits it ahead, cuts right through, gets it, in the, gets it on the mid post, a low block, one bounce, two bounce, fade, jump hook. And that's just how, that, that's something I think Big Vic's going to need to learn. Yep. Victor Wimbiano, like, sometimes I see him out here, ah, 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 hey fam, the dude is guarding you at 6'5". Mm -hmm. It ain't time for all that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, throw that ball, cut to the lane, and then show your touch. And now when somebody big gets on you, when you get Rudy Gobert out there, mm -hmm. you fry him. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, you yeah. show Rudy all that. <laughs> when the guy's 6'5", you, you show a different side of your game. Mm -hmm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's talk a little bit about Wimby. We got to see a small sample size after his first game here in Summer League. 
Everybody was saying he was a bust. You know, he was overrated, overhyped. Second game, he came back with a 27-12, played a lot better hit. You went two for four from three, but just did a lot more things out there. So how would you assess what you've seen from Wimby so far? And I know it's early, but so far in his NBA career. I'm judging him based on the talent and what I see. So, like, I'm not looking at the box score. Mm -hmm. It's summer league. Like, I, I just watched Jabari Smith have 38. Jabari's cold. Jabari's not going to have many 38-point games next year for, <laughs> for Houston. I'm sorry. There's not enough balls. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, when I look at Vic, I'm just like, hmm, okay, I see the passing. I've seen him block like four jump shots already. Yeah. Yep. I see the shot blocking. So he can block shots. He can space you out, block shots on the perimeter, and give you rim protection at the rim. I see how great touch he has. For somebody that can dunk everything at 7-5, great touch off the glass. So when I see that right there, it's just a matter of time before he starts figuring out how to play. Mm -hmm. They're going to get him on an NBA diet so he puts a little bit of meat mm -hmm. on his bones. Mm -hmm. Vic, Vic, Little, <laughs> Vic, Little in the, Vic Little in the chest. Yep. And so, like, I, when I look at his skill level, it's not going to happen right away. He's not as polished as what LeBron was coming in. Yeah. Oh, he's LeBron. No, he's not. LeBron was a monster from the jump. Vic is in a great situation. Pop's going to teach him how to play. And when he learns how to play, they build around him the right way. In about two to three years, it's going to be a problem. But it's going to take some time. So you give him about a two to three year window. Yeah, like I would any other good big time rookie. Yeah. I, I, Everybody don't get it right away. We live in a microwave society. Everybody, you, you don't just walk in the league and be like, man, 25. Yeah, and seriously, like, even with um, Summer League, there's not been a superstar that balled in Summer League. Like Anthony Morrow, right? You have, you have Kuz. Um, you have Von Wafer, um, Lonzo had the small triple double, but the Kobe's and those Kevin Garnett's and the Tracy McGrady's, they never balled out in summer league, right? Because they're, they're playing with a whole bunch of people that's not going to make this team, right? It's, no. it's a whole bunch of G leaguers, D leaguer, overseasers, and the pressure that's being put on them. This is the first time after draft that you got to perform and it's you and you got the bad news bears with you. Right? Come on, man. Let's <laughs> no, 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 just, just be honest. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> we know that whole Lakers squad. No one's making that team. The Lakers just feel, right? It, it's too, it's true. Right? So you got, you got the whole, you know, uh, bad news bears with you, and the other team is looking all at you, right? So, you know, with Bron, he had six and three his first game, second game, six and seven, right? But that's LeBron James now, right? So I put no, I just want to see the skill. Let me see what you're going to do. From there, you, you're going to, Train after this, get ready for summer league. I mean, um, you know, training, training camp. camp. Then you get training camp with the professionals, right? That one month is going to be a boost for you. And then you're going to start playing games. And then, you know, by December, we'll see some little spurts of games. And then, you know, after your first year, you're going to summer league the second year. If you, most superstar, most of those guys don't even play summer league, summer league the second time. But sometimes you do. That's that second summer league. That's your rookie. The 30, about to have 35 on them. And then, you know, you, you go into your second season, and that's when you really tap it into your ability. People place way too much expectation on summer league. No. Well, too I mean, much. Too much. Because you'll see certain guys, like you said, certain guys getting shots, and you're thinking to yourself, on the team he's going to, he's not going to get that many shots. Mm -mm. And then you'll see certain guys that might not play well, but like Vic said, like, this team just came together like a week ago. Half these guys don't know the playbook. Some of these guys aren't aren't going to be in the NBA. They're going to be in Serbia next year. Mm -hmm. And so we're judging. It's like, just take your time. Look at the skill set. See, does this guy look like he belongs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vic looks like he belongs. Yep. And over time, he's going to prove to the league that picking me number one was a great decision. He's going to change the game because he has the skill set. He just got to learn when to use it. Like, I mean, the, 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 the one, two, three, four, five, I mean, that's going to be 
That's a nice, that's a nice five, the draft picks this year. Yeah. These five could be like, uh, now Brandon Miller's been struggling, but it's gonna be different. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be different when Lamelo's on the point. Yeah, yeah. Like they're asking this guy to hey, make all the plays, and they're league, they're, they're just looking at him. So mm -hmm. like Brandon Miller's gonna be better. I love Scoop. You like Scoop? Yeah. Whew. Whew. I like two. I like the two twins too. Oh yeah. I, even though I don't, I love, I love the twins. Their athleticism. I just don't understand what Houston was doing. It was like, hey man, we're gonna take this six seven point guard at four. We're gonna play Van Vliet like $130 million. <laughs> I like, said the same like, thing. What are y'all doing? I said this. How is this kid gonna develop if Van Vliet's playing 30 minutes a night? Like, I, what are y'all doing? No, no what do you I love, I love the Thompson twins, Dave. Listen, everything about them, they're athletic, they're yes, sir, no, no sir, sir, great kids. Yep. Man, but he's not gonna get a chance to have the ball like he needs to because they just paid somebody. So I love the Thompson twins, but especially for our men. It's gonna to be tough because he's not gonna have the ball as much as he needs to to develop early on. What he wants to do? Yeah. That's what I said. I would have. What were they doing? I would have paid Gabe Vincent the thirty-three. You come off the bench still. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you had to pay money, but you could have paid it to a whole bunch of players that's gonna end up being role hey, players. Hey, Betty, can can you can you imagine what's gonna happen when Kevin Porter find out he got to come off the bench? I'm gonna get that same sandwich that he threw at the Cleveland gym. Get out of here. <laughs> I heard tossing sandwiches. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So let, let's go back to you talk, talk about your early high school career. Uh, everybody talks about the 95 and 96 McDonald's game, but you played in 97. And I'm just going to rattle off some of the dudes that played in the game. You had Baron Davis, Lamar Odom, Metal World Peace, Elton Brand, Larry Hughes. T-Mac was supposed to play, but I guess there was some issue. They didn't want to bring his family out, so he was like, yo, I'm, I'm not going to play in this game. But what are your favorite members from... Uh, 97, Larry Hughes was... Um... Kenny Gregory in that one? Yeah, yeah he won MVP okay. of the game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are your favorite memories from that 1997 McDonald's All-American game? And who was the actual top dog in that room full of alphas? The top dog as far as personalities, DD, okay. Baron, uh -huh. and Ron Artest. <laughs> East so, Coast, West Coast. Like, yeah, so it's like, so like, just BD just is just that who he is today. He was that back then. And so, like, I remember like they told us, hey man, None of y'all go out. If you go out, we sending you home. Mm -hmm. so guys like, man, we're going to go out and kick it before the game. Baron, Baron Davis, all West Coast. Man, forget that, man. Shoot. What they going to do if we all go out? <laughs> they can't not have a game. We're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We following BD. So he's like, yo, we all going out. We going to do it. We're like, yeah, BD, we that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, on, we on that. And he just led, like, the whole team to go out and kick it because he figured, like, listen, if I can get everybody else, uh -huh. or at least the majority of these guys to go, they can't send us all home, and he was right. And as far as Ron goes, I don't think that Ron knew it was an all-star game. <laughs> like, because, you know, Ron only played one way. And so, like, I'll never forget, we come to the bench, and Ron was like, you know how you get to talking all fast in New York? Yo, son, I was out here playing all hard. I'm playing defense and everything, and nobody can give me the ball, son. The next mother ever to take a shot and don't pass me the ball getting snuffed out. That's on everything, son. I was like, oh, my God, he is crazy. <laughs> They swung that thing to me, boy, I damn near handed it to him. I didn't want to get snuffed out. <laughs> he seems sincere. <laughs> and, so, and so, like, that was my Ron Artest moment. I'm like, dog, this dude just threatened everybody on our team in the middle of the game. The coaches look around at us. We're like, man, y'all handle him, man. We don't know what to do. I'm, he's like, I'm from Queensbridge, son. We don't play that. I'm like, he, sound, he sounds like he's telling the truth. Don't want to find out.
If <laughs> I just throw it to the Ron. Yeah, they swung that thing to me. I'm like, man, Ron, take that thing real quick. Do it. Do it, Ron. <laughs> I don't want, no, want no problems. So now, now you're going, going to UNC. Dean Smith recruits you. You find out shortly before that season that he's out. He's retiring. So what was that like from you, you know, thinking you're about to go play for this legendary coach? And obviously Guthrie took over, who, who was a great number two, great assistant. But what was that experience like from you? And if you had to do that over again, especially with the landscape like college basketball is now, would you have still went to North Carolina if you knew that Dean Smith wasn't going to be your head coach? Uh, I wouldn't have went if Dean wasn't going to be my head coach, but it would have been a big mistake. Okay. Because I still learned so much at North Carolina how to play. Like you talked about some of the things I was able to implement mm -hmm. on our team. I learned all that at Carolina. You know, back then there was no switching pick and rolls. Bigs had to show out, get back, understand how to rotate. It, you know, you didn't get in the game if you didn't understand that at Carolina. So I learned all that. So I definitely, I probably would have ended up at, I probably would have went down to Miami with Leonard Hamilton. I was really close to going down there. That would have. <laughs> Might not be talking to you guys today. But at the same time, um, I was disappointed when Dean retired because I really wanted to play for him. Coach Guthridge, rest in peace, did a great job with that team. We had incredible talent. I learned so much about the game from ba basketball from our assistant coaches, whether it was Pat Sullivan, uh, Phil Ford, whoever, just about Dave Hanners, just about teaching us how to play the game of basketball. Um, some of these guys, man, they're still my friends today. Some of these guys I played with on the team, um, Chris Lang, uh, Adam Morrison, Adam Boone. These are my guys, man. I still, I still talk to them. Uh, Julius Peppers. Big, big Pep. Yeah. Pep played on my AAU team, too. It was? Okay. Yeah, we, you know, it was crazy. We didn't know that Pep was nice. In AAU? He didn't play? No, no. We didn't know he was nice in football. Oh. Like, we, were, we didn't know that he was better in football. Think, think about back then, like. Oh, there's no paper. Yeah, we, we, come on. Yeah, we old. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't no internet. We, yeah, we were reading about people yeah. in magazines. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. Pep was on our AAU team, and we had no clue. We were rolling around with, like, the best player in the nation of football. Yeah, I remember y'all came to UCLA, I think, uh, early 01, like January, mm -hmm. before Tate, that whole crew. Yeah, no, now in college, we knew what was up. Yeah. But when, he, when he played on our AAU team, we literally had no idea. Because we, we played for the Carolina Warriors. He was on our, what's the name there, too? Who? Um, number one point guard in the country. Urban Murray? Oh, you no. mean at Carolina? Yeah. At Carolina, we had Ronald Curry. Ronald Curry. Both of them, but yeah. Ronald Curry, they yeah. had Ronald Curry too. Yeah. Both, both of them play football and, and basketball. But yeah, when we played AAU, we had no idea that Pep was that nice. We remember they had the magazines. We were looking at the magazines. I was like, yeah, top 25 now, baby. Everybody be dog all very. Yeah. We like, yo, Pep, where you rank? We, we had no idea. We was like, yo, but who this big, bigger kid from Southern Nash just uh -huh. dunk everything? We just like, I'm better in football. We're like, how much better? He's like, I'm one of the best. We were like, like one of the best at what position? You like running back. So we go in, you know, kids. We go get the football magazine. We're like, yo, pal, man, you ain't ranking this magazine neither. He's like, let me see that thing. Hands it back to me. It points to it right there. It said, we thought he said, he said he was number one as a running back. We go in there and it says, Gold star beside his name at the like the side of side, not not underneath the running back to the side. It had his own little section. <laughs> it said utility back, able to play any and every position on the field, number one player in the nation. We said, "Damn dog, I thought you said you're running back." He said, "Oh, I'm also a running back, fullback, tight end, <laughs> line, tight end, linebacker, and defensive end." I was like, "Oh, thanks, bro. You play everything." <laughs> 
So we had no idea that we were rolling around with that time with like the best player in the nation from a football standpoint. Mm. I heard you just naturally gifted too. Like he come in the way, just hit the hit the, hit the bar a couple times. Bro, like he was put three hundred on it, just hit it quick and just dip right out. Like, bro, like he like you talk to guys on the football team, he would go out there and practice, no stretch. <laughs> like, dog, he was just like, he just come out there like, ah, y'all ready today? I'm gonna just take off. And he was doing this even when he was playing in the pros. Like he was just he was just a freak of nature. Yeah, like he was a big freak of nature. He was just. Until he stopped, he was the state's top triple jumper. Can you imagine seeing a six-six rocked up triple jumper just come through there like that? So who was that? Who was that for us in the NBA? Who would that be? That 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 type of talent would be just raw talent. Is that like events? Crazy things I seen. I seen Pep Watkins up mm. playing pickup because his lateral agility was crazy too. He was built like Zion. I mean, Bro, just from a body type. Zion. Oh, he's freakish like. That, that would be like, I'm not saying Pep is no, Zion, no, 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 like, if he played basketball all the time, he was like, a, like he just, you have to realize this dude was not training for basketball. He wasn't playing no basketball. He would just come out there and be like, all right, football season's over with. All right, man, I can come hoop, hoop with y'all for a little bit. Same thing with Ronald Curry. Ronald Curry would have been so much better if he would just been able to play one sport. Yeah, we played y'all 2001. I think he had just come off a of football season. I was red shirting that year. But he's one of the most impressive players in that game. Punking our bigs, dunking, but just like, you know, just big ass bodied on the court. And it was like, who's gonna guard this dude? And we almost got y'all. We I think that's like we started our poly press that game. Y'all was up first half, second half, we came back, started pressing, but I think y'all put that 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 dub on us, unfortunately. But those were the days. But let's let's talk about now making that shift to the pros, get drafted by Michael Jordan, playing with the Wizards. What was it like playing with Jordan on that Wizard squad? It was crazy playing with Jordan because just to see the love, like the fans love this dude. Like just to see to see the love that he got and then behind the scenes to see the work ethic. This dude was 40 years old without working everybody. At 40. Yeah. Ain't had nothing to prove to nobody no more, but it was just like the work ethic was just incredible. And that's the biggest thing. Like Mike couldn't. Mike won't gonna give you no motivation speech. That ain't who he is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mike ain't go, hey, young blood, this if you do this, nah, watch me. <laughs> and, and so he was just like, he was just always working. It was nothing for MJ to be at the gym with Tim Grover doing this thing at seven o'clock in the morning. No, he didn't get in till about three, four o'clock because he's mm-hmm. playing cards on. Yeah. Even if we coming in off a trip, like we come in off, a, we come in off a trip. And they make the young guys come in. Mm-hmm. They're like, young guys, y'all got to come in the next day. Practice at 11. I'm not, our, our shoot around, whatever, whatever. Vets didn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Got to be there at 11 o'clock. I think I'm early. I get there at 10. You know, I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to get a little. At 10, I hear, the, I hear a ball bouncing. I'm thinking, who in there already? Open the door. It's MJ. He's already there. My dumb ass, like, hey man, what you doing here? I should just close the door and shut up. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, what you doing here? He's like, you asking me the wrong question. I was like, what you mean? He's like, you need to ask the question why I beat you here. And I started thinking about it. Like, damn. <laughs> damn. Like, I thought, like, what? Like, I, so I talked to Tim Grover afterwards. He's like, oh yeah, M, M got here at eight thirty. We did our weights and everything. Then we got on the court at nine. And then now we're finishing up. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this dude has all the championships. All the everything, all the accolades, and he is still working this hard. Like that was just my Michael Jordan moment. Like, man, you asking the wrong. Why did I beat you here, young fella? 
And then from that moment on, I always, hey, you ain't never had no problem with me getting to practice nope. late. Because nope. I was always trying to get there. Yeah. Hey, man, listen, practice at 11, I got, I, let me get there at 9.30, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get there at 9.30. <laughs> let, me get, let me get there early. So when you go back and you look at like MJ's career, a lot of people look at that Wizards year as the negative. For me, it was always like, look, this man's 38, 39, 40 yeah. years old, still putting up 20-piece, still cooking dudes after taking two, three years off. Impressive as shit. I think it only adds to his go resume. But did people still fear MJ when he was on that Wizard squad? No question. Okay. No question. And he knew it, too, because he played the game up here. Like, sometimes we'd be at the jump ball, and you know, it's what Kobe, you know when Kobe get the chicken, he got yeah. that from MJ. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Telling Chris Whitney, he talk, talking to Chris Whitney. at point guard, like, hey, let me get it early. Young, young fellas and all, because sometimes we come to the jump ball, <laughs> and it was like the glow. Like remember, yeah, like yeah, Bruce glow. Leroy, they looking at him like this. Thing. Yeah. Like you would see certain young guys, they'd be looking at the shoes, yeah. the calf sleeve. They'd be like, it's in. And he was, he was a killer. He'd be like, let me get it early, young fellas and all. And he would just get it, and then you that'd be his night. Because he know young fellas is worrying about the fact that he's playing MJ instead of going through the scout report and everything mm -hmm. else. And so he would sense that certain guys would come through. They would be in awe. Like, man, I'm seeing, like, guys from the other team with, like, four and five shoes. Hey, can you sign this? Like, real fans. But they NBA players. Yeah. Like, hey, dog, can you sign this? Hey, MJ, can you please? I'm just over here watching, like. Hey fam, y'all, y'all know we all in the league together, right? Like, <laughs> like, like this. That was his advantage. Yeah, his advantage was like some of us, a lot of us, grew up with him on the wall, and when he got to the, it's kind of the advantage that Braun kind of have now. Mm -hmm. He's so old that a lot of these dudes, they grew up like. Mm -hmm. Bron just be like, you know, Bron play the front roll and go out there and dunk on them, <laughs> get to doing all this and that. Like, but like that's the advantage you have when you that dude like that. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's a lot of legends out here in Vegas right now. We, we done had about five, six people Barely drop out of the glass. Jason Terry, Jason Man. Terry just came through. Man. The jet. Throwing up to sea. I, I respect it. I rock with it. But so we, I'm not going to ask you about your opinion on the GOAT debate, but I will say that you're, like I mentioned earlier in the show, you were one of four players to play with both MJ and LeBron. So how would you compare playing with MJ versus playing with LeBron? They're two totally different players that go about their business totally different ways, but they got the same common goal. They want to win. LeBron is going to be a little bit more passive aggressive and see if things are going to work itself out. MJ going to be in your face. Hey, man. <laughs> you going to run the play or what? Mm -hmm. If not, we're going to sit your ass down. You know, Bron's going, to, Bron's going to kind of try to be politically correct with you a little bit more. MJ is just more direct, decisive, right at you. Like, if you're not doing your job, like, hey, listen, he going to let you know. 
It's not going to be no talk behind the scenes. It's not going to be no call with the GM. Mm -hmm. He going to tell you in front of everybody. You're not doing your... You better look, when I played with MJ, he was also like low-key like the GM. Yeah. It was a very yeah. weird dynamic to see, to see people go out with MJ. And then I'm like, hey, man, y'all know y'all like hanging out with y'all boss. <laughs> I won't say the player's name. Yeah. So there was one player, he was like, he went out with Mike, played terrible the next day. Mike's playing great. Mike's like, man, <laughs> you'd play better if you wouldn't have been out there partying all night long. He was like, I was kicking it with you. I was like, hey, I can do that. <laughs> like, dog, like, so it was a totally different dynamic because he was MJ mm -hmm. and he was still part owner of the team and in the front office. He was our mm -hmm. boss. It'd be like us going to play ball with Ernie Grenfell. Yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it was, it was a different dynamic, but he just works. He worked both MJ and LeBron work ethic top tier. Top tier. Their work ethic is top tier. Mentally, they're strong. And it just comes down to, like one is more aggressive, one is a little bit like Braun's gonna try to massage the situation a little bit more, but they both gonna get get to it. I, I hate the fact that everybody says like Braun doesn't have the killer gene and everything like that. Like playing with him in Cleveland showed me that all that nonsense that like Skip Bayless be talking, <laughs> he don't have the killer gene. Like maybe you don't shut your old ass up. <laughs> like, dog, because do you remember the shot that LeBron hit? against Jimmy Butler in Chicago to three in the corner? Yeah, to win the game. To win the game. So Braun had actually been playing terrible down the stretch of that game. Like, he had missed some shots, free throws, turnovers, like, terrible. And we get to the huddle, and David Black, I don't know why Black did this, but <laughs> he draws the play up. He's like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he draws the play up. Yeah, JR, you get right here and get the shot. Braun was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, JR. <laughs> he made, Braun, I've never seen this. He said, absolutely not. Grabs the clipboard, erases the play, and just said, all right, this is what we're going to run. You go here, you go here. Hey, I'm going to fake. He tells, I think it was Della Dover taking it out. I forgot. And he was like, yo, I'm going to fake this way. I'm going to pop to the corner and get me the ball right there. I'm going to hit a shot. I've never seen somebody draw up their own game mm. winner. Like, so when everybody, ah, oh, Braun ain't this mentally MJ. Like, hey, listen, Braun want, Braun's not scared of that moment. Will y'all stop with that narrative, bro? Damn. Like, bro, man, like, he stole J.R. Smith moment, man. J.R. was like, yeah, but the geese no, I absolutely not. Give me that damn clipboard. <laughs> why did I think of that? Dog, just do my own play. You could have drilled. You should have drawn your own play. So I said, why did I think of that? Y'all go my ass. You, but you only had one play. One, four, five. That was, that was Gil's only play. It worked, though. <laughs> We ran it a lot. <laughs> we ran it a lot. Like, listen, that's the same shot you hit on Darren Williams, the same shot you hit on uh, Earl Watson. Mm -hmm. It was all, all your ice was one for a flat. So I remember, I think I was at a game five 2015 in Cleveland, but Brian had like hurt his ankle, came back in the third quarter, just went off crazy. I think somebody like Todd Gibbs, somebody got ejected, Delver Dover got into it, whatever. But, but to see it in person here in real life. So what was it like for you to be able to be a part of that squad? Obviously you came up short. In that, in that 2015 uh, finals, but had lost K-Love, lost Kyrie. Did you feel like something special was going to happen going into those playoffs? Man, honestly, when I looked at that playoffs, I wasn't sure how far we could go because we were hurt. Because remember, in the finals, like, K-Love and Kyrie aren't playing. Yeah. And so, like, K-Love gets hurt in the Boston series. Kyrie had been having some knee problems anyway. And so... To see Braun just do everything for that team. He was doing everything. You need, a, you need me to score 40, I got that. Need me to go get 17, 18 rebounds? Cool. 
10, 15 assists, whatever it is, like on a nightly basis, he did whatever. The fact that we were able to get two games off of that Golden State team with the starting five we had, like, and there's no disrespect to nobody on that team. But when you look at the fact that it was LeBron, Della Vadova, I think Amon was starting over JR. I think Amon, Tristan Thompson, and Mozgov. That's not what you really think of as far as like, man, this team's gonna make a deep run and win the, win the champion. But like, he was able to get the best out of everybody. It's like, all right, I'm gonna find Tristan at the rim for a couple of dunks. I'm gonna hook Mozgov up for a couple as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm gonna I'm find Amon Shumpert in the corner or JR Smith, he's in the game. And then like, Delavado was gonna be playing hard. I'm gonna get everything else. Mm-hmm. So, Everything's kind of worked itself out, but Braun just figured out a way to do everything. And that's just what I took away from it. All right, so last question I got for you. You played with a bunch of amazing players throughout your career. If you had to make a starting five mm. of all your teammates you've had in your career, who would that starting five be? Mm. Starting five with the guys that I played with. Dang. All right. And just remember, you're on no chill with Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, I just want to point that out. No, no, he's the, my, the best point guard, obviously. So starting five guys that I played with, I'm going to go Gil at the point, MJ at the two, Braun at three, Oof. Dirk at the four, Oof. and I should probably go with either Tyson Chandler or Al Jefferson at the five, but since it's my starting five, forget that, it's me. <laughs> Get you some buckets. Get you some buckets. Hey, listen, man, somebody got to get Jordan Burke out there. Forget that. It, but I don't know, man. Gil, Gil might have been, been mad at that team, man. He might have he been not getting the rock the way he wanted to, man. He might have been a little bit upset, man. With, with, I, I think that squad's going to butt heads a lot. But that team, hey, listen, man, we would have we got buckets. I don't, I don't think that might have been counterproductive. No, no, though. no, no. I, I listen. MJ, Who's going to begin? Are you giving up MJ, shots? MJ, I had to let MJ know. Uh, MJ who? Mike Jordan at Jordan Camp. You let, him he, know, you let him know what? When he pissed me off, he wasn't getting the ball. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I gave it. Waved him off and everything. <laughs> you think I'm Randy Brown? You think I'm Randy Brown? I did that to MJ. You think I'm Randy Brown? Hey, listen, man. Hey, man, Randy Brown was, was cold back in the day, man. <laughs> now when I score 40 and you say, I remind you of him. Hey, man, maybe just miss your body. A revolving theme maybe, of summer. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he just meant your body type. Yes, yeah, it, was, it was probably my body type, body but type. I took that shit personal. You took it personal, yeah, man? Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, you kind of look like face while you kind of look no, like you favor each other. Yeah, I scored 40. I'm thinking he's about to give me, I mean, myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah you thought you were, I'm hey, about, about to get the MJ comparison. <laughs> nah, boss. <I'm all laughs> <good. laughs> hey, man, that's, that's it. That's it right there. I'm, but yeah, I, I definitely put Gil. Well, I, how, how, was, how, how was Kyrie? Like, I, like I, 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 uh, watch him, I watch him all the time and with, uh, with, the, with the girls. He trains out the girls with my daughter, too. And, He's skilled. Like, oh he's very... Ky- Kyrie was... I had a Kyrie moment. That's when I knew I had to retire. I, I, I was like, yeah, this is about my last year. Because <laughs> he caught me in practice. First of all, Kyrie's handle is crazy. Mm-hmm. He's probably the best handle to ever come to the league. He's going left, he's going right. He's, he's tween the legs. He's uh, reverse tweens, step backs, behind the backs, low pity pats. It don't matter. He got it all. And then it's like, he's just... Kyrie is just searching for your weakness. You know, some guys, like, if you really, really watch them play, like, I don't know how you were defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, offensively. Some guys are looking for, like, hey, man, like, if you put this foot here, I'm automatically going into this move. Mm-hmm. Kyrie was just, 
it's just it's just so simple for him. Like he's just like, yo, like driving hard, driving hard right, bam, bam, step back. I'm I'm gonna wrap it back between my legs. And then if you're still here with that, I might hezzo and then cross her over real low and tap it two times and be over here. Yeah, yeah. And so like there's like guys like that, there's no, there's no scouting report. Mm-hmm. There's no send them left. There's no like there's nothing like it's just like, hey, make him pass. Yeah. Because he's so offensively gifted. And man, it was obviously my last year in Cleveland, you know, back back when I was really blocking shots. Mm-hmm. On fast breaks, I'd let you get ahead of me and time you up. Like sometimes even you. Sometimes yeah. I, I'd let you get hit that. And so we on a fast break, and I'm like, I'm about to time Kyrie up. And man, when I tell you I took off to go get this block, and he just did something like this and put the ball up, and then you know how he does that over the top high? But he euroed the other way. But I kept going. (laughs) (laughs) And so like I ran into I ran out of bounds into Mike Miller's arm. He was like, you know, Mike Miller's like, damn, he kind of got you, didn't he, Killer? I'm like, I don't need the sarcasm right now. I'm trying to find my knees. <laughs> and so at that moment, I was like, yo, these young guys are coming, and I don't have any breaks anymore. So mm-hmm. that's my Kyrie moment. I knew it was like, yeah, I'm about done. Damn, Kyrie sent you in. <laughs> Ky- Kyrie, Ky- Kyrie damn near sent me to the, to the upper room. I was <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, man, I, I, ain't got much more, I ain't got much more left, man. I ain't got much more left. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you pulling up out here. We know in Vegas, you got a lot of options, a lot of things you could be doing. So thank you for stopping by the show. This has been another episode of No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. We'll be back with more very soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.